Tell you how, my friends, here we are on the hunt for deeper truths. Join us now. We're going to take a wee bit of a ride. Best to hold on tight. We might take several jumps. So here's a quick preview. A lot of these signs that Jesus said that would lead up to his coming seem to be coming just as he prophesied, more frequent and more tense the closer he comes. So it's sad to say we're living in darker times, but it also is more wonderful times too because they're just as Jesus prophesied and he also prophesied his soon return to rapture the church up to heaven so it's glorious times as well so they got a bit bruised up probably but they were always safe in the ark the way the lord designed the ark was to keep them safe when you and i fly to conferences as we've done over the years when the world used to be somewhat normal um the airplanes were designed so you and i could not open the window and be sucked out they were safe inside and when we're in christ we're safe when abiding in christ we Things can happen, you can get bruised up, things can happen to you, but you're still in Christ. The righteous shall live by faith. In other words, we don't know why God is allowing evil to flourish like it is. We know that the tribulation is meant as a judgment on the world for its sins and to bring people on their knees so many will repent and turn to Jesus. We're seeing horrible things in the world and people are crying out, God, why are you allowing this? And his answer is the same as it was with Habakkuk. The righteous shall live by faith. Listening to Spiritual Encounters with Pastor Casper McLeod. And now, here's your lion-hearted host, Pastor Casper. Prayer is very, very powerful. It can change the course of history. We, we even know that uh, our scripture tells us confess our faults to one another, pray for another, maybe be healed, because the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And so we need to come together now as the church, as the body of Christ, and, and pray against some of the things that are unfolding here, actually all the things that are going in the wrong direction. This coming vaccination, um, you know, let's take a look at that. They, these are not like the vaccinations made in the past. These mRNA vaccinations are able to change DNA, no matter what independent fact checkers might say. Um, vaccinations um, in the past look like kind of training the body internally to recognize, respond to proteins produced by disease-causing organisms, such as, you know, virus, uh, bacteria, that sort of thing, you know, provoke the immune system to mount some kind of response to take. Um, I don't think it's ever a good idea to put pathogens into a healthy body from my perspective. So these new um, RNA, um, vaccines in contrast they, they're tricking the body into producing some of these viral proteins itself it's like doing the opposites um they're working kind of like sending a messenger 
these molecules that essentially put DNA instructions into production. This is pretty scary stuff that's going on uh, with the whole plant and dots um, coming bee system and as in the days of Noah. So um, welcome to another spiritual encounter. I am your lion, heart and host, Pastor Casper. Don't forget the like and subscribe, comment anything you find of interest. We're so blessed to have our friend, the erudite scholarly Nathan Jones back. And Nathan, the world's gone even darker since we spoke last month. What do you think's going on from your perspective? That's hard to believe, isn't it? I to think that the world has gotten darker. Uh, since we last spoke a month ago, we've had uh, friends, uh, fellow evangelists, Alan and Sandy Gist down in Lake Charles, Louisiana, have a hurricane swipe over them, twist all their woods and trees away, destroy houses around them, but the Lord preserved their house. So there's miracles happening at the same time. We're hearing then the standing waters creating terrible mosquito issues where mosquitoes are swarming whole, uh, whole uh, cows and pigs and just slaughtering them by killing them. What a way to die. Uh, we're also seeing the wildfire spread down not only California, but Oregon and Washington. Uh, and then we're seeing amazing things happen in the Middle East with the signing of the Abraham Accord. So a lot of these signs that Jesus said that would lead up to his coming seem to be coming just as he prophesied, more frequent and more tense the closer he comes. So it, it's sad to say we're living in darker times, but it also is more wonderful times too, because they're just as Jesus prophesied, and he also prophesied his soon return to rapture the church up to heaven so it's glorious times as well for such a time as this i mean we could have been born any time in all of history he chose us to be here for this moment so um we've all got a job to do for the war efforts here yeah. <laughs> that's so amazing when you think about that before time was created that god had planned us he knew that we would born he set us in the time period he gave us a job to do the the Great Commission to share the gospel in the time that we have. And uh, to think that, that this is the time, the generation Jesus said that saw the return of uh, Israel and uh, becoming a nation again would be the generation that saw Christ return. We're that generation. So it's an exciting time to live. Frightening, yes, but uh, what did the Lord tell Habakkuk in Habakkuk 2.4? The righteous shall live by faith. And that's how we live. How we endure all this craziness day after day is the righteous shall live by faith. Amen. So let's talk about the peace agreement. We've got people that are, you know, not understanding and something. Oh, this is the big peace agreement and it's going to be the Antichrist. And, um, why don't you elaborate on that for us? Sure, sure. Well, as of today, the, today's recording is uh, President Trump met with Netanyahu and the head of Iran and the uh, head of the United Arab Emirate and signed a peace accord with these two nations. Now, Israel has already done this in the past under President Carter with, uh, I believe it was Egypt, and then years later under Clinton was Jordan. And so the Middle East is trying to make an alliance. And the reason for this is because ever since we went in and removed Saddam Hussein, it was like removing, if you ever played Django, you know, you pull out the, each of the, the blocks. Well, we pulled out the blocks and the things ready to fall because what happened is then it empowered Iran in the Middle East. And so the Arab nations, uh, see, because this is the difference between the Shiite Muslims and the Sunni Muslims. And so we see Russia backing with Iran and Turkey, just as prophesied in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39. So the Arab nations are now saying, well, we've got to unite against an increasing nuclear threat of both Russia and Iran trying to move farther south through Syria and the civil war and dominate the Middle East. So what would the Arabs 
actually coming to one and make a peace agreement with Israel to normalize relations, that the Palestinians are no longer a stumbling block and who owns what land. And President Trump coming in and through his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, negotiating these peace treaties. So people are looking at this and they're saying, well, what peace treaty are we talking about? Are we talking about the one the Antichrist makes with Israel? And therefore either President Trump or Jared Kushner is the Antichrist? I don't believe that's the case uh, because of the timeline of Bible prophecy. Uh, the Bible also talks about a precursor to the Gog and Magog war is Israel feeling at a time of peace and safety where they're not feeling threatened by their Islamic neighbors. And some of uh, like Bill Salas, for instance, have come up with the Psalm 83 war uh, that Israel would subjugate the nations around them. Other theories are is that they'll make peace treaties with Israel and who would ever think the Arabs making peace treaties with Israel? It was unheard of up to this time, but they're being threatened. So what's interesting is then that, and this is the view I take, is that, that this is the part of the peace and safety that Israel will have, uh, along with feeling protected by her great army, the IDF, and that will lead to them a false sense of security, a feeling that the United States has got their back. And then we read in Ezekiel 38 and 39 how Russia, Iran, and Turkey will come down to plunder Israel and invade it. And we now know that Israel has tons of gas and nat natural gas and oil, which is a threat to Russia's control or really domination of gasoline to Europe. So what we've got here, I believe, is the beginning of the peace and safety that leads up to the Gog and Magog war, where Russia, Iran, Turkey, Libya, all those stand nations, the Sudan will come against Israel and try to destroy it and plunder it. And that's when God steps in and supernaturally protects Israel. Now, amazing thing about that is that's a shift from the church to Israel, where God is then directly intervening, not through the church, but through his own personal actions. He destroys those invading armies with fire and brimstone, you know, biblical proportions. The armies turn on each other, earthquakes, and then he even sends fire back on the nations that are attacking Israel. Well, that would create a tremendous geopolitical difference here. We're talking about Russia and the Islamic world no longer being a power, Israel growing in strength and becoming a superpower. And because of the supernatural uh, effects of, of winning this war, that to me indicates that the church is no longer here, that the church has been raptured, that this is a post-rapture event. And so we're getting, I believe, very, very close to all these prophetic things coming true because all the pieces are, have really pretty much fallen together. They are indeed. I, I think a lot of people are waking up at this point. I, I, in, in, in England, um, UK, you know, they're, they're having these massive protests. People are going, you know, we're, we're not putting up with this anymore. We, we know this is a scam. And we, we want our freedoms back. And, and the, the election, for the um, presidential election, I think that's what, like maybe six weeks away. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people sort of realizing, you know, the propaganda that's been out there and especially with the mandate, you know, wear a mask and, and the, the social distancing. I mean, if social distancing really worked, then why would you need to wear a mask? And if wearing a mask really helped, then why do you need to, you know, social distance, right? I mean, right. so much of this stuff is illogical. Um, and I think, too, that a lot of people are not realizing, uh, you know, the government here <clears throat> doesn't have the ability to overrule the First Amendment, even though they've been trying to do that. Um, there's, um, recently, I, I'm sure you saw it as well, uh, the Department of Justice um, uh, issued a statement uh, in support of the church's lawsuit for the constitutional overreach that was going on. And 
Uh, I think we've got the quote somewhere around here. It says, there's no pandemic exception, however, to the fundamental liberties of the Constitution safeguards, indeed, individual rights secured by the Constitution do not disappear during a public health crisis. These individuals' rights, including the protection of the Bill of Rights made applicable to the states through the 14th Amendment are always enforced and restrain government action. I, I think these guys that are doing the overreach missed that part about restraining government action. So, um, again, you know, I mean, how, how much closer can we get? The, the, you know, we're seeing the globalist agenda unfolding. Um, you know, what, whether people realize it's not this election, um, it's not about voting for a guy or a personality. You're voting between that which is holding up what is good and that is what's holding up is evil. There's no middle ground anymore. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting that we've got California, Oregon, and Washington burning with fires all over the place. And what are they most interested in? Making sure that John MacArthur's church, Jack Gibbs church, all the churches aren't meeting at a time where they need the church praying. They should be running to the church looking for help. They're trying to keep them closed. I was reading about uh, one uh, church in, was, I think it's Santa Clara, who's tried to stay open for a few weeks, but they've been giving him $50,000 fines to that church every week to the point where the church can't afford it anymore. And so they're going to have to stop meeting indoors. Or like you said, this mask mandate in Texas, one of the first states to try to get back on track, and then we started having an increase in the COVID cases, our governor, very conservative, Governor Abbott, gave us a mask mandate, which was supposed to expire this month. And now it's been changed to be open-ended. So they can expire wherever. You can't go into Walmarts. You can't go into Trader Joe's. You can't step into a restaurant. It's either you can't buy or sell unless you're wearing a mask. So to me, I believe this mask mandate, and you read so many doctors who say that that masks are nothing more about than giving you comfort. After 20 minutes, they become a Petri dish themselves. Very dangerous, especially when they're making people work out in them. And so it's kind of, it almost seems, and I wonder what you think about this, Pastor Caspers, is this just a trial run to see how far government, especially a corrupted government, a globalist government, can push its populace, uh, make it feel insecure so that they give up their freedoms. And this is kind of a test run or a trial run for something much bigger that will happen during the tribulation. I, I think it possibly, you know, started out as a beta test, but um, it, it was so easy to make the, the church roll over. Like in the beginning, right, we just need uh, a fortnight to flatten the curve, right? Well, I say we flatten the lies. Um, there's, there's too much evidence now, you know, that there really isn't anything going on here except the political agenda. Yeah, I hear a lot of people say this, this whole coronavirus crisis will end on November 4th. And a lot of people joke about that, but it seems like the entire world, and we know that behind every government is the principalities and powers of Satan that are working in the background, that that seems like the entire world uh, was thrown for a loop when President Trump got in and when Brexit happened. And it's like all of a sudden we're getting back to nationalism, not globalism. And then every force possible has tried to remove Boris Johnson and Netanyahu and President Trump because they're impediments in towards that global government. Well, what would ruin those impediments? You rapture the church up to heaven. There's no more strong Christian voice in the world. And then you have all of a sudden Russia and its allies, Islamic allies attacking Israel, not fearing at all that the United States or the EU is going to step in. 
to me, that seems like they're waiting for that. Well, they probably don't know about it, but when the rapture of the church happens, it'll cripple the West and China too, because of the strong Chinese base. A lot of people are wondering, well, where does China fit in Bible prophecy? I, I don't see it becoming a world power because you don't, you read about it as being the kings of the East being part of the Antichrist empire and then rebel against him at the very end of it. So that China will conquer the world doesn't seem to fit inside Bible prophecy, but we're seeing it definitely. Uh, it's amazing to watch Hollywood, uh, Mulan, for instance, coming out, totally kowtowing to a communist government and not caring about uh, rights and freedoms, individuality anymore. We've sold ourselves to communist countries for trinkets and goods, and we've given up our freedoms for a short-term benefit. It's uh, it's hard to see Western society collapse like it is, but we're collapsing under our own immorality. Well, that, that is again one of the questions, where is uh, America in, in Bible prophecy? And, um, you know, this new normal almost seems like a code name for a deep population program that's unfolding on the world stage. Uh, let's not forget uh, Mr. Gates, uh, and his foundation, when he spoke at TED Talks a few years ago, saying, well, if we do a really good job on the vaccinations, we can lower uh, the population numbers. So, um, so you want it down to, it's like 500 million is the optimal yeah. number. It's on the Georgia Guidestones, right? Right, yeah. And, and also there's, you know, a, a new language that's on there, which is probably connected with AI. I mean, it's, it's all on there, you know, the Georgia Guidestone stuff. Be nice if, if the Lord just sent something and took that thing out. I know, I can't believe that's there. And uh, big statues to Satan popping up, uh, the Arch of Baal showing up in cities. Uh, we, I try to keep holding on to the, the idea that we're a Christian nation, but we truly are a, a post-Christian society. Well, the Lord said that these perilous times that would come before his return, I think we're quite there. Um, you know, the stories of underground cities, uh, you got the Area 51, you got the UFO um, disclosures that have been happening the last couple of years that, they, that they're giving more and more information every, every few weeks, every few months. Um, they've got wacky experiments going on in places like CERN with the opening up dimensional gateways, and, which is what we, we read in Revelation 9, um, letting these uh, fallen angels that have been chained up, they're going to get released. And, uh, and there's even, you know, with the whole transhumanism that's connected with globalism uh, and cloning people, we've got 3D printers. I, I remember lecturing about that at several prophecy conferences years ago, when producing synthetic living organs. And the majority of um, biomaterials that currently they've used in medical 3D printing technology with, you know, like metally things, uh, polymers, uh, mostly for orthodontic uh, applications, but but then they started doing the hydrodrills, which are used in bioprinting cells of tissues and organ fabrication. It's, I mean, it's incredible what's going on. I mean, we're, we're actually overwhelmed with information each and every day, flowing like, you know, water out of the, the fire brigade coming, right? Um, putting it out. And here's what Daniel said in, in Daniel 12, you know, they shut up the words and seal the book to the end of the time because many are going to run to and throw flying all around, knowledge increases. I mean, we're there. Doesn't it seem like our knowledge has been outpaced by our, um, our knowledge outpaced our wisdom? We're trying things that 
that led to really World War II. When you think about the eugenics studies and experiments that they did uh, in Germany and other places, the big push to depopulization when Margaret Sanger created the Planned Parenthood. And uh, now today, they're just normal and accepted. We, we expect uh, to augment our bodies with genetics. We expect to custom make our children. We want to add implants uh, and connect ourselves to the internet. Uh, I've, if you really want to know where technology is going, you only have to watch Japanese anima. Anima has got fantastic views about where it's going. The idea that we'll be able to transfer our souls into robots or into giant mainframes in space. I mean, humanity seems to have adopted the lie that Satan gave us in Genesis that we will become gods. And to become gods, we need to transcend our human bodies. What's fascinating is that the New Age teaches that when Maitreya returns, their version of the Messiah, to come to the earth, that, that Christians will be raptured or taken off this earth so that the, uh, the, the humanity, which is being held back by the, the dogmas and short-sightedness of Christianity, will finally allow humanity, the, the masters of the universe, can finally come in and, and make humanity evolve to the next level. And so I, when the rapture happens, there's going to be panic all around the world, but there's probably going to be a lot more cheering than panic. You're probably right. I, I recall reading a book by uh, Dave Hunt, Peace, Prosperity, and the Coming Holocaust. I think it was back in the maybe early 80s in, in England. And, uh, and I, I would, I'd be going into London for meetings with racket labels and such. And I see these posters plastered all over the, the underground. Um, you know, Messiah's coming this summer. It was probably like, like 1978 or something. Okay. Um, you know, and then I found out who he was, and, and it was a lot, Dave Hunt had covered a lot of that information. Um, it, even Hitler and the whole Nazi and their occultism was connected with the New Age. It was fascinating to read how the Nazis were trying to create a Nordic god religion. I, I hadn't known that until I studied it, how deep into the occult the Nazis were, and it makes sense. I mean, all their behavior was certainly demonic and occultic, but that there was a, a very much an occultic background to a lot of what the Nazis did. And I think when the Antichrist does um, materialize and uh, make his, his grand entrance, it's gonna make the Nazis look like choir boys. Well, to think that he's the Antichrist will be personally responsible for billions of dead and two thirds of the Jewish people, that'd be nine million people in today's numbers slaughtered. So it is wonderful to see the Jewish people say peace and safety with the Abraham Accords, eventually with the Antichrist, and they make a peace treaty with him after the Gog and Magog War. Uh, but to think that they're putting their hope and trust in man instead of God again, and halfway through the tribulation, the Antichrist will walk into the newly built, rebuilt Jewish temple, will declare himself to be God, will set up a statue of himself to be worshipped, will, if he does the same thing at Tychus Epiphanes did, sacrifice a pig on the altar and defile it, and the Jewish people will flee out into the wilderness. And meanwhile, the other Jewish people around the world, the Antichrist, will slaughter, slaughter in mass, two-thirds of the Jewish people. So there's a second Holocaust coming in. it. It's frightening to see because the Bible prophesied, uh, especially in Ezekiel 36 and 37, that the Valley of Dry Bones, the, the Jewish nation will come back from the dead. And we've been around to see that. How exciting. The Jewish people are making Aliyah back to Israel again you know, by the boatloads, even in America, now that anti-Semitism, which is so ingrained in the Black Lives Matter movement and Antifa is continuing to grow. We're seeing Jewish people now, who, which is the second largest amount of Jewish people in the world living in the United States, 
returning to Israel again, going back to Israel. And so uh, it's all coming together. The purpose is to get all the Jewish people back in the land to create a nation again. And it's a convenient place for the Antichrist because they're all together in one spot. As you're saying that, it's, um, I'm, I'm wondering how this vaccine, you know, plays a part of it, um, especially what's going to, the new, this, 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 the vaccines are nothing like the ones in the past. This is like, you know, with nanotechnology, it's going to trick the body producing um, viral proteins itself. So um, when, when we look at that, keeping in mind, you know, the, this is not the way God designed it to be, right? So people, they're willingly and knowingly, and they grieve that they receive these um, life-changing, life-transforming, dangerous inoculations. Uh, I suspect they're going to eternally regret it. I mean, could this be part of the great deception, the coming B system? You tell me. Um, the technology uh, in the form of a quantum dots, it's going to enlist um, you know, the scientific um, uh, biological mediums to penetrate human cells, it's going to, the cell walls, and it's going to initiate replication process of, at a molecular level. It's going to defy imagination. It's going to transform the entire human body, which is what the, the, the transhumans have been pushing all along, is in the days of Noah. I mean, because so this could be part of that abomination that desecrates the human body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, maybe there's, it's a little deeper meaning here. And, and um, isn't that Matthew 24 where he, he talks about when you see the abomination of desolations by, by the, uh, spoken by the Daniel, the prophet um, in the holy place, um, you know, the Lord says, what? No, you're not. Your body is uh, the temple of the Holy Ghost. Um, apparently, a lot of people in the church don't know that. They don't know this is a holy temple. Um, it, it makes me contemplate, well, what, what could that be doing when, when you're taking a, willingly taking a vaccination, inoculation, that's going to alter you and, and, and you may not be human up to that. Interesting. I've never heard that interpretation of abomination of desolation, but that something is put in the human body seems to make sense because when you get to the end of the tribulation, the bold judgments, you read about how the people who have taken the mark of the beast will be covered in sores and their pain and they're in anguish, almost like they've got radiation poisoning, but it only affects those who've taken the mark. So people wonder, what is the mark? Is there a technology behind it? Well, we know when John talked about the mark of the beast, he said he could see it. He could see the name or number of the beast on the forehead. It's 666 or whatever the name of the Antichrist will be, or on the right hand. So it was on, now the King James Version says in, but that's the word is epi. It really means on, not in. I'm not sure why the King James only took that uh, interpretation, but it, it could be on or in, but definitely on because John could see it. Maybe there's something underneath it. Like you said, maybe it doubles with a vaccine. Maybe it's magnetic ink that can be encoded and scanned. Uh, but we might not even need ink anymore. For instance, like you said, if you can't go to a Trader Joe's and you're not wearing a mask, well, they're not going to sell you anything. So what about online? Well, facial recognition technology is now taking over logging in and scanning. The most, to me, Casper, the, the scariest thing that just came out is China's social credit system. They have millions of cameras all over their country recording everything that everybody does. And a computer algorithm rates you, your behavior and then assigns you a score. And if you're more loyal to the government, you get more benefits and more privileges. And if it deems you less loyal, and mostly it's reporters, at this point, 
uh, it cuts your traveling ability or your ability to buy and sell. And therefore, you're, you're almost guaranteeing the population has loyalty to the state. Now, five other countries are buying this system from China, and many other countries are worried about what this will be if it's implemented on a global system. So you're walking around, you have cameras monitoring your faces. They've got all your Facebook photos and all your social media photos. So there's a, 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 a they know what you look like, even if you're wearing a mask, it's that good because it's mapped out your face and all. And so what happens is, is that you're going around and if you don't, it scans it and says you don't have this mark, well, you, you can't do e-commerce. It's like a bank just shutting off or freezing your account. You can't do anything. You have to go to the black markets to buy and sell. So the technology very much so is there. This idea that we need a chip underneath our skin, I think that is old tech. Like you said, the quantum dots is new tech. It's much more believable. Uh, so obviously that uh, with so much death, you got the rapture and so many people missing and then millions, if billions actually, a quarter of the world population dying at the beginning of the tribulation, people will be begging to be tracked, worried they're gonna disappear or be taken by aliens or whatever the great delusion is at that time period or they're dying. And so they very well could want these quantum dots and trackers in their systems so that people know where they are at all times. Well, that's again, a two-edged sword. We're selling our liberties for security, a false sense of security. And uh, so again, we're seeing all these technologies come together that make the mark of the beast and his ability to control buying and selling very possible even today. I know we're coming up on a, a, the hour break here, but um, we'll have to push on into the next segment with that idea and concept. Um, I know Dave Hunt had written in, in his book, Peace, Prosperity, Coming Holocaust, that, that the rapture happens and the, the, the cover story is the propaganda is we finally got rid of all those crazy, wacky born-agains that are the way, so now we're going to have real world peace, right? Mm -hmm. The colossal lie of deception. Um, and then what you were just saying, that the Nazis, they came in, and then one of the first things they instituted was you know, the Jews can no longer buy or sell. They were isolated, um, packed them off, caused them to, to dig their own graves and... and, and horrendous horrific things i don't think we need to go into the graphics for anybody but um this is the same playbook we're seeing the same thing again and again uh this is, goes back to like what happened in the 1700s and the reign of terror with the french revolution who benefited from that oh absolutely antifa is following the same playbook what do you do you come as a cause a, a great injustice that needs to be fixed you get the people on your side and then you start tearing down the very systems which would prevent you from taking over. You defund the police. And like you mentioned with Nazi Germany, the brown shirts were their version of Antifa, but they were successful. They were able to start defunding the police and the brown shirts rose to power. Uh, Hitler saw them as a threat and killed many of them, but others became the SS, the criminals basically running security. And uh, they took the guns away from people and they closed the churches and they made it like in China today, that church is basically meant to worship the government. And they got all the people involved. And then when they started committing atrocities, the German people looked the other way because they didn't want to live back in the Weimar Republic again. And so we're seeing this again and again, repeat in history. And now we're seeing it in the United States. And I pray and I hope that there's enough people who, who believe or have Judeo-Christian values and, and value freedom in the constitution who will stand up for this. But 
I feel like this election is going to decide where the country goes. If they choose one candidate, what we're choosing is basically an, an end of our civilization as we know it. The other is to go back into uh, the French Revolution or Nazi Germany or the Bolshevik Revolution, just all using the same playbook like we're seeing played out in our major cities today. Very true, very true that um, yeah, I, I do think there's a lot of people that, that bought the propaganda and uh, they just don't realize how, you know, there's some people here that oh, they're going to vote a third party. Well, that's just wasting it and um, completely then. If any time period, this would have been the time period for the libertarians or the Constitution yeah. Party to stand up and give us a good yeah. candidate. But I don't know about you. I haven't heard anything from those two parties. They it's like this was their time and they dropped the ball. Well, I know we probably should um, go ahead and get on with the, the, the break here. We'll, we'll say this, we don't run out, uh, but this is really um, a lot of food for thought here and how this is playing out and how we should be praying about this. We'll come back and we'll pray about these things. So stay tuned. We're going to have a word from our sponsor so you can have some naturally creatables as we're watching the end of the world. I just want to share a word from our sponsor, Naturally Cravables, because you really need to try the Naturally Cravables smoke. Maple almonds, they're gluten-free, dairy-free, they're vegan, all natural. But wait, there's more good news. We've got Naturally Cravables smoked chocolate pecans. We've got Naturally Cravables smoked maple pecans. And we've got naturally craveable smoked maple bourbon pecans. Not to worry, the alcohol's gone out of it. We've got naturally craveable pineapple jerky, another new product here. And we've got naturally craveable smoked maple walnuts. And we've got naturally craveable strawberry chips. I mean, these are all fantastic. And so as we're entering into these end times, I mean, what better way to do it is munching on some naturally craveables. In fact, we're going to have an unofficial contest. So if you write in to us here at the upperroomfellowship.org and let us know, uh, our unofficial contest slogan would be, I love naturally craveables in the end times because, and you get to fill in the blanks and we'll choose a winner and we'll get some naturally craveables. For the grandest As we're waiting for the end of the world, I finished another bag of naturally craveables. Amazing stuff. So where were we? We were talking about how things are unfolding so quickly. Um, it's kind of like the classic helium dialectic. You know, they, they create a crisis and then they come in with a pre-planned solution. Um, they're using a 
coordinate a campaign of fear mongering. That's pretty obvious now. It's intimidation, social shaming, economic blackmail, you name it, right? All the tricks of the kingdom of darkness, um, how they can bypass, you know, try to get around freedom and liberty. Mm, absolutely. Well, it's interesting as the three governors of Washington, Oregon, and California came out together about the wildfires and did they blame it on uh, bad ecological management and too much underbrush or uh, did they blame it on arsonists which Antifa people are running around setting fires or accidents like gender reveal party uh, pyrotechnics no they blamed it on global warming and President Trump today was in a meeting with various officials on the west coast and all of them were battering him with with questions why aren't you dealing with global warming basically this is saying, and the governor's flat out saying, is President Trump's fault for pulling out of the Paris Accords because global warming is causing all these fires. So it's not man, it's not God, it's this generic global warming, it's, it's, this, it's not our fault. And it's interesting how, as we get into closer and closer to the end times, how many different lies are playing into the end times. Uh, I don't know what you believe or rather about there's global warming or global cooling or there's cycles of warming and cooling or climate change. Obviously the climate is changing, but the climate is always changing, but is it man produced or God produced? And so we're seeing much more hurricanes and natural disasters all the world, tsunamis hitting, uh, uh, you read about in the uh, Philippines, swamping out whole islands. I mean, terrible natural disasters are occurring. There's no denying it. But then Jesus said in Luke 21 that, that one of the signs of the end times would increase the fearful events and natural disasters. And so they would increase in frequency and intensity like birth pains, the closer to his coming. So is it global warming? No, I, it, God is sending us a message. I, I found it one of the most poignant messages today. I was watching the news and Portland, downtown Portland is covered in smoke from the fires. So much so that the Antifa people can't see enough to riot. And so we've got two great disasters happening to a city that's very anti-Christian and very involved in the new age and the occult. And people still can't see that, that God is sending a message. Yes, we live in a fallen time, natural disasters do happen, but God will always also send remedial judgments to warn of people to repent and return to him. And brother, I, I don't think our, our people are listening. Well, Brother Nathan, you know, the Lord tells us that, that the enemy has blinded their minds and their eyes and their ears and their hearts from receiving the truth. Mm -hmm. How do we get through to those people? Uh, prayer is powerful. I mean, but we look at how easy was this, you know, the, the bring in this false vaccination. And um, I recall President Trump was invited to Davos, Switzerland to speak. And when he did, I, I don't know, maybe they were trying to get him to come over to their side, you know, with the Remember what used to be called climate change before they had to rework and call it global warming. Uh, and, and he said, you know, he's for freedom in America, you know, under his watch is never going to be a socialist nation. And then straight away, it's kind of like, well, wait a minute, you know, the, the Russian collusion thing fell apart, all the impeachment stuff, you know, fell apart, and then they released the virus. Or I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. They, they announced it, the, the virus. Yeah. Um, yeah, the timing was very interesting. And then China is still only reporting a little over 4,000 deaths in China. So either they're masking their numbers or, or something. We're, we're over-reporting. I saw a report recently that said we're close to 200,000 deaths. But of those deaths, only 9,000 plus can be attributed directly to just COVID. 
I've known two people to die of COVID. Uh, for those who, who know uh, Damon Duck, wonderful man of God, Bible prophecy teacher, his wife, Rachel, died of COVID plus pneumonia. I had an aunt who died of COVID plus another under things. The average death toll in some cities is 94 years old. 94 years old, so it's killing people who are already sick and weak and, and also to shut down an entire planet to keep a virus at bay that's affecting a minority of our people is unheard of. You, you quarantine the sick, you don't quarantine the healthy. And so it's interesting too, because how it's affected, there's estimating a loss of $3 trillion in all these shutdowns across the planet. We're not just talking about our country or, or, or we're talking about almost every country on the planet, except maybe Sweden shut down and Israel is about to shut down again for another three weeks. The financial toll that's going to take on the world. It's almost as if Satan wants to undermine the global financial system, which we read about in Revelation 13. So to cause a financial collapse and rebuild the world with a global government system to regulate and manage all the finances of the world. It's in Bible prophecy right there. And we're seeing the beginnings of that. We, we are indeed, um, you know, with the death numbers, um, our friend Dr. Sherry Tempany sent me a little um, statistic a little while ago, a couple hours ago, and said, looking at the life numbers, the percentage of populations that have not died of COVID, like Belgium, 99.944%, uh, you know, did not die from it. Spain, 99.95.6% didn't die. In Italy, 99.9%. 157% didn't die in France, 99.965% UK, 99%, um, 99.972%, on and on it goes. So, you know, it's less than 1% of people doing it, and they've all got underlying medical conditions and usually elderly, right? I mean, there's, there's been a couple of isolated cases of somebody in the 20s or something or teens uh, it's very rare so what do we, we we had to shut down the entire world for that i follow a coronavirus dashboard it takes all the statistics and it amalgamates them into one website and so you can see it all the death rate from the coronavirus right now globally is 0.036 percent now that is statistically you will die more likely in a car accident or from the seasonal flu than you will from COVID-19. And so what we're talking about here is continued restrictions. Matter of fact, Los Angeles has said that they won't open up until a, a uh, vaccine is ready. And they won't even allow movie theaters to open until a year after the vaccine. How can Los Angeles survive financially? New York City, I have a, a cousin who's a fireman in New York City. And he said, New York City is a ghost town. There's almost nobody in the downtown area. They're, there's still all the restaurants and are locked down. Most of the entertainment area is locked down. And so the streets are empty. Lawlessness abounds as the mayor won't uh, fund the police. And so lawlessness is increasing all over the place too. But it's interesting that one of the titles for the Antichrist is the man of lawlessness. And you wonder, how can a lawless person become a dictator over the entire world and, and create what she'll do, an authoritarian rule. It's because he comes out of a lawless. He's, he is an Antifa-like character or a Bolshevik. You know, he's revolutionary. He's, he's that type of person who comes out of a lawless background. But and you see this, you just have to look at history. I got a buddy of mine who lives in Nicaragua, Donald Dolmas. 
and they live under Daniel Ortega, who came in as a socialist, promising freedom and prosperity if, if the people would just go to a socialist society. Well, what does they do a dictator like that does? He takes everybody's money, guns, everything is owned by him. He lives like a king. Everyone is equally poor. And the dictatorship is always the end result of a socialist society, or even worse in China with a communist society. Xi Jinping now wants to be worshiped as a god. He's going into the churches and having the crosses removed and putting pictures of himself. He's moved from head of a political party to godhood. And that's where man seems to always go when they get more and more power. So this idea that if we move to some kind of utopian society where everybody gets equal is nonsense because it denies the, the flaws that our founding fathers in the United States recognizes that mankind has fallen, they're sinful, they're selfish, they're greedy, they're treacherous. And all this idea of a utopia is, apart from Christ is nonsense because our fallen human nature will always ruin it in the end. I totally agree with everything you're saying here. Um, and it reminds me that um, this is the, again the same spirit, it's the same kind of spirit we see in the possessed emperors like Nero and, and Nimrod going back even further, right? The, the first antichrist type of person, or whatever he was, a rougher meme that he turned himself into. Um, it's like, who's got the kind of power to get all the kings and queens and world leaders to come to Bohemian Grove and you know, be, stand in front of a, a giant owl and do rituals where they do a mock or an actual human sacrifice? Who's got the kind of power to bring that together every year? And these are the people that are, are leading the world. Um, look, I've got to remind people that Romans 8, 18 says, if I reckon that the sufferings of this present time not even really be compared with the glory which will be revealed in us, right? So we can't lose hope here. Our hope is in Christ. Um, I shared with my church recently, um, like Noah's Ark, right? They, I mean, what a crazy thing to do, build an ark when it had never rained before. And, and Noah builds the ark, and they're inside the ark with the animals and his family, and they're safe in there. I mean, they probably got bruised because they're in the stormy seas and all the, the cold globals, you know, flooded. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that being in there for a year, they must have been trying to serve dinner or something, and they tripped a little bit because it's, you know, stormy and like any ship in a, in a storm. So they got a bit bruised up probably. But they were always safe in the ark. The way the Lord designed the ark was to keep them safe. When you and I fly to conferences, as we've done over them, years when the world used to be somewhat normal. Um, the airplanes were designed so you and I could not open the window and be sucked out. They were safe inside. And when we're in Christ, we're safe when abiding in Christ. We, things can happen. You can get bruised up. Things can happen to you, but you're still in Christ. Like women that go through monthly cycles and they get depressed, they, they might get depressed, but they're, they're still in Christ. They're, they're still warrior princes for Christ. That is a beautiful analogy. I, I hope I can borrow it because that, that is so true. I, I always love the part about the ark that, that the door, that the Lord himself closed right. the door for. They couldn't even close the doors. He had to close the doors. It must have been a massive door. And he kept them protected inside. Now, some people will take that analogy and say, well, that proves that during the tribulation that God will protect the saints like God did an ark. Therefore, the rapture must happen at the midpoint or the end of the tribulation. But that can't be because the fifth seal judgment talks about the martyrs, millions and millions and millions of Christians post 
rapture Christians or tribulation saints to differentiate them from the church will come to know Jesus as their Savior and be killed. Now, how can anyone say that the church is protected during the tribulation when the martyrs are so numerous that when John goes to heaven and he sees the crystal sea before the throne of God and he sees countless multitudes of martyrs who died during the tribulation due to the Antichrist? Uh, no, the Lord does not protect those during the tribulation except the 144,000 Jewish evangelists who are sealed or actually branded on their head where the followers of the Antichrist will have the mark of the beast. Those who follow Jesus Christ have his seal. And I wish I knew what that looked like, if it was spiritual or you could physically see it. So we only know that the 144,000 Jewish evangelists and the Jewish people that flee into the wilderness, likely Petra, are protected by God. But the rest, the Gentiles and many Jews who come to accept Jesus as Savior during that time period, they'll be slaughtered. So this idea that the ark represents God protecting his people during the tribulation only applies to certain amounts. Therefore, again, another argument that the rapture happens before the tribulation. So how can we come back on flying white horses with the Lord Jesus if we haven't already been raptured? Absolutely, right. Uh, the church returns with Christ to this earth. We don't, uh, yeah, we don't get raptured to do what they call the yo-yo rapture, where you, he returns and there's so few people left alive on the planet that at the end of Armageddon, he can gather them into the Valley of Jehoshaphat for the sheep goat judgment, as Matthew 25 says. So, uh, you know, what blessed hope is Eureka? Uh, Paul says we are to comfort each other with the rapture of the church. Well, how can there be comfort if you have to endure seven years of 21 plagues that annihilate most of the people on the earth and leave the earth itself into an ecological disaster where the Bible says that the days were even longer than those seven years, no one would be left alive on the earth. That's not protecting the people uh, God's people in there. So again, another great argument. I think that the rapture happens before the tribulation, not at the end of the tribulation. Otherwise, where's the hope in that? Absolutely. And um, you know, you're right. He, he says, unless those days be shortened, there be no flesh saved, but be left sake. Hallelujah. Those days be shortened. But what would shorten it? The the AI, the the, the vaccinations that, that they're helping the mandate. I mean, it almost seems like you know they've gone into an absolute. Um, bonkers because they didn't get their witch elected in the last election sorry but <laughs> let's just call it what there it might is. be a lot of truth to that we don't know who she's made deals with to get yeah. where she got yeah <laughs> so um you know look I, you talked to earlier you know you mentioned you know margaret sanger and the eugenics and you know but you know bill gates father was on the board of directors he was very influential him in the whole rockefeller foundation we've got all this evidence from you know like 2010 all, all the the blueprints the lockstep um i was looking at bill gates career establishing microsoft um recently and uh how he became a major player like this you know his mom set him up with rpm i mean it's almost like he's another puppet for somebody behind the, the scenes that we're, we're gonna you know all of them like they're just you know, puppets that somebody's putting um, pulling the strings on um you know, back in the 80s, Microsoft signed contracts with several major computer manufacturers and they obtained discount prices. So they all agreed to pay Microsoft for every computer they ship, whether or not included any Microsoft operating systems. In other words, um, there's basically no cost essentially uh, for the manufacturer, whether they used it or not. Um, and that's incredible. It, Microsoft basically discouraged anybody else from trying to you know, bring the market any operating systems. And um, in fact, I, I discovered 
this was such a clever diabolical scheme that they had. Um, uh, Microsoft was investigated, um, I think it was by the Justice Department in 1993, they, they had to sign a, a consent decree that Microsoft agreed not to write any more these one-sided contracts. Well, never mind that they already own 90% of the operating systems in the market at that point. So, I mean, this is like the same, you know, pattern we're seeing here with Mr. Gates' background and um, considering, you know, the kind of business practice. I mean, if anybody else did that, they'd be going to prison, not some kind of false retirement. So, um, and again, you know, now, now the, the, the propaganda guys that want to show him as a great philanthropist, humanitarian, those on the far left, you know, believe all the rhetoric, of course, and they're promoting his humanitarian causes. Um, but we do some honest research on this, you know, I, maybe we're all wrong about him. Maybe he really is, he's got a heart to, to, to help people do good. The question is what world and what dimension is he trying to do this in? I mean, this seems to me, it's just masquerading as a charity at this point. Mm, interesting. I saw a commercial for a show that's supposed to be coming out on Netflix. Uh, haven't seen it yet, but it's a documentary about social media. And it brings the different founders who created a lot of the famous social media we have today and how they created it for a force of good to connect people and how many of them now that they've given up their companies or they've been bought out or it's been passed on are saying that social media might be the worst thing they ever did because it only creates division and hardship and it controls people's thoughts and it's used to manipulate people to do certain things. And, and so when you've got all these different technologies working together like they are to manipulate people into either voting a certain way or thinking a certain way or and we're seeing it more and more. Uh, I have a, uh, our ministry, Layman Line Ministries, uses a marketing firm to help us with our Google AdWord campaigns. And I was talking to our, the marketer there, who's uh, just a guru at, at that. And I was asking him about, well, what about Google? Because uh, recently Google changed their algorithm and all our, all our uh, organic search engine indexing just disappeared. We disappeared off of all the first pages all the hard work we did and they changed the algorithm to make sure that a lot of conservative sites would disappear off the first few pages. Nobody looks after the first few pages. I said, well, what's going on with Google? He says, well, Google now owns 85% of all the traffic that goes through the internet. And he said, when it was founded, it was founded and their motto was don't be evil. Well, now Google is run by a man from India and 75% of their employees speak English as a second language. It's not even a, a country, a United States. It's there, it's in Silicon Valley, but it's not a really a company that represents the United States anymore, it's global. So there's no connection anymore to the values that Americans have to Judeo-Christian values, freedom of speech, security, uh, privacy issues. It doesn't matter anymore. So when 85% when of all internet traffic is put through a company that no longer sees the freedom of speech as a value anymore, it's scary times because then you're regulating what we're seeing and we're seeing Christian and conservative content being pushed down further and further away from the public's view. You're very right on that. Um, you know, again, I, I refer back to the 2010, you know, Rockefeller lockstep document that came to light. You can still access it if you know where to look on the scenarios for future technology and international development. They stated in their, their original blueprint plan um, we need a, a, a tighter top-down government control, um, more authoritative leadership, and especially for the growing citizen pushback. They were planning for the pushback that we're seeing now globally, but I mean, and of course the news doesn't cover any of the, 
you know, they'll say 500 people showed up. It's really 10,000 protesting this stuff. Um, so, you know, again, um, I think we're getting very close to that, that global one world government. The Lord warned us that was going to come. And uh, what are we going to do about that? It's in the days of Noah, right? Uh, let no man deceive you by any means, because, you know, that they won't come before this first of falling away. And the, and the, the man of sin being revealed here. Um, again, I, I, I believe, like you do, that uh, the Lord's going to be uh, the promises of his word. He's going to take care of his family. Absolutely. You know, Jesus gave us five things to look out for. I'm going to pull up Luke 21. Okay. And at the very end, this is the advice he gives, knowing that all these things are leading up, all these signs of the end times are leading up to the coming of the Antichrist and then the tribulation. He says, verse 34, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And that day come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Now what's wonderful about this passage is, is the Lord gives us five things that I, I could see there is one is stop sinning. You know, you're, you're a Christian. You're, you're a little Christ, so to speak. You're a representative. You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And if the world sees you sinning, then how are we supposed to lead people to Jesus Christ? Our lives should be holy. So in other words, stop sinning. He says to, to be alert, too, that it won't the day when, when all this happens will come on you unexpectedly. Brother Casper, you're a great example of, of you see what's going on in the world, that you won't be surprised when the rapture happens. You know it's because you know all these signs. And uh, he says that uh, how, we need to be counted worthy to escape. Well, how does one counted worthy to escape in, in the rapture? Well, you have to be saved. You have to have given your life to Jesus Christ uh, accepted him as the Lord and Savior of life, so you're saved, and that when those things come to pass, then you can stand before the Son of Man again. So I, I love this advice, that this is the advice that Jesus wants us to have. He gave it to them in two, almost 2,000 years ago, but he certainly, it's meant for us as well today. Well, God's, you know, timeline and, and, and uh, timeline delineations, I mean, it's only been gone like two days, right? A thousand years is like a day. So, um, you know, I, again, I, as you're reading there, I remind you, Ecclesiastic 8.11 is because the sentence against evils, you know, is not executed speedily, and then the hearts of men think they can get away with evil, but they're not going to get away with it. I mean, God's going to have his, his remnant witnessing them. So what else is going on in the world? And the Lord wants the world to know something. Just try stopping him. It's not going to happen. He, he's going to have his way. And whatever they do, it's going to backfire. We're watching it backfire on them now. I mean, they, they said, uh, you know, a loser. Again, you know, eyes uh, not seen, not yet heard, not entered in the heart of men, the things that God's prepared for them that love them. If, 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 you know, we love this world and the things in the world more than God, then you know, the love of God's not in us. We're to submit ourselves before God and resist the devil and the flee from him. It's time for the church to stand up and, you know, speak out the truth here, share the gospel and bless everyone. We're supposed to love our, our enemies. Most of the churches won't even do that one. True. I love the minor prophets so much so that I co-wrote a book with a pastor friend of mine called 12 Faith Journeys of the Minor Prophets. And I love the story of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is seeing all the evil in his day and he's preaching day and night, but the people aren't listening. They're not repenting. And so he turns to God and he prays, God, I'm praying and I, I mean, I'm preaching and 
I'm preaching and preaching and the people are ignoring me. Uh, when are you going to come down and give the wrath that you have promised? You promised wrath. And God's response is basically, it's not for you to worry about. Don't worry. It's coming. It will come. I promise you it will come. And this is what he did with the people of Judah. He said, I will send the Babylonians down to destroy Judah. Well, obviously Habakkuk wasn't expecting that much wrath. So he has another question for God. And he says, well, God, why would you take more evil people to punish us or punish our people? I mean, why would you allow evil people to flourish as a punishment for our sins? And God says, that's not for you to know as well, but I tell you this, and that's where we get that great verse again, Habakkuk 2.4, the righteous shall live by faith. In other words, we don't know why God is allowing evil to flourish like it is. We know that the tribulation is meant as a judgment on the world for its sins and to bring people on their knees so many will repent and turn to Jesus. We're seeing horrible things in the world and people are crying out, God, why are you allowing this? And his answer is the same as it was with Habakkuk. The righteous shall live by faith. Amen. As you're saying, it reminds us that Joseph, um, he had everything going for him. You know, the the amazing coat that he wore and his brothers, his own brothers, sell him into slavery. Next thing you know, he's tied behind a camel and having to walk in camel dung all the way to Egypt. Uh, Years go by, he's, he's trying to do it in his own strength, right? But God had a purpose in all of it. Oh, Job. Job ended up at the end. People forget Job got twice the blessing he had when he started out. And again, it's by faith. Job even said the thing he feared worse had come upon him. So we can't entertain a spirit of fear. It, uh, doing that uh, you know, goes against the word of God. In fact, it's a sin to fear. It, it says in Romans um, you know, 14, 23, that which is not faith is sin. Excellent point. You know, I've, I've never thought of Joseph walking behind a camel like that. Thank you for that imagery. <laughs> well, I have horses. You know how it is. <laughs> but yeah, wow, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great horse. But uh, wow, it's neat to think because Joseph is, is such an example of the, even the Christian life that we're, we're trying to stay faithful. We're trying to do the right thing, but the world constantly batters us. And it's, it's interesting. I love that verse where it talks about how that God uses the little things and the weak things to shame the strong and how he uses Christians who are supposed to be meek and mild. And we've been so, I think, overall pretty good during this coronavirus crisis, shutting churches down and stepping back and wearing masks when we shouldn't have to and and trying to show love to people during this time. But instead, a great outbreak of evil comes and you wonder, why in the world is God allowing it? Well, God prophesied that this would happen thousands of years ago, and it's all part of his plan it's all working towards setting up a colossal fight between good and evil, where when Jesus Christ returns to this earth and we follow him on those white horses, and I bet your horse is going to be magnificent since you love horses so much, and we watch Jesus Christ with just the words of his mouth defeat the Antichrist, the false prophet, the armies just fall apart, and Satan gets thrown into a pit for a thousand years. That is what's leading up to, and then Jesus setting up his kingdom replenishing and healing the earth of all the disaster and judging of people who are survived the tribulation. And those who have turned to Christ, they get to live on into the tribute, uh, excuse me, the millennial kingdom and repopulate the earth. And we in our glorified bodies, because we've been raptured or are going to be there ruling and reigning with him over the nations. That's the, the big 30,000 foot view. And I think that helps us in our time period, at least it helps me is that when I see 
the world getting darker and I, I get so frustrated seeing the evil going on right now and people being so deluded and so self-centered, knowing that it's all going to a climax for God's purposes. And as Christians, uh, if we're alert and we're reading our Bible and we're, we're recognizing the sign of the end times, we can know what's going on and that should give us comfort and hope for the future. Amen. I, what's the worst thing that can happen? You die and you go be with the Lord Jesus and the day of resurrection, you get a glorified body like he has. And, you know, you can, you can just appear in rooms, eat fish and honeycomb and all the rest of it. Just not together, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah, again, we just got to stand in faith here. And I do think we should um, spend some time in prayer on, on this, this program and, uh, I think again, people need to you know remember it, like this whole Microsoft ID 2020 thing. You know, they're they're talking about this. You can't go anywhere by yourself without that immunity passport. This is they're, they're talking about this um, global reset. That's what this is all about. It's not about a virus. I hope enough people realize now this is never was about a virus. This was all an excuse for that. Um, again, I'm going to share the last paragraph of Microsoft ID 2020 lines where it says. As more and more transactions become digital in nature and it builds around a single global identification standard supported by Microsoft, cha-ching, um, the question of who will govern this evolving global community uh, economy becomes relevant, especially since non-participants in the system would be unable to buy or sell goods or services. You know, we compare that with Revelation 13, 16. Nobody's going to buy or sell without their mark. But the word of God says, watch ye there. Therefore, pray always that you may count it worthy to escape all those things that come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Now, Brother Nathan, you remember um, the, the scholarly Nicodemus comes to see Jesus in the middle of the night. He doesn't want any of his friends to know about it, right? He goes, we know you're from God. Nobody can do these miracles except God sent you. And the Lord just cuts right through Cuts to the bottom line, right? Goes, Nicodemus, you got to get born again. Nicodemus says, it's uncomprehensible. How can I come out of my mom a second time? And the Lord says, look, you see the wind blowing? You don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it goes. So how can I tell you about quantum physics and string theory right now? And all the mysteries of the world, right? Mm -hmm. so we've got to get born again. And when you get born again, obviously, you know, we understand that we can't be good enough. There's so many people think, well, I, gotta, I just got to be good enough to get saved. You can't be good enough. Nobody can. That's why we need to learn Jesus. Romans tells it that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I remember back when I was a camp counselor in Alaska, way back in 93, and I took my kids out of the, to the cabin, and we had this great uh, river that flowed by the camp. And I asked them, I said, pick up a stone and throw that stone to the other side of the bank and boy they tried they were chucking stones and they kept plopping into the water could never make it as far no nobody could throw that far and i thought that was a wonderful example because it showed that no matter what we try no matter how religious we get or how hard we work or or whatever we think or do it's not enough there's only one work that matters and that work is jesus christ's death on the cross and us accepting it in faith that's the work that's eternal that's the work that forgives our sins, that takes the penalty of our sin, which is eternal death, onto us and puts it on Jesus Christ so that we may be saved. So I think that's a fantastic that you brought that up because it, so many people are so bogged down in religion, they're missing 
relationship. And that's what God wants. He wants us to get us back to the Garden of Eden where God walked and talked and had fellowship with Adam and Eve again. But he wants to populate heaven with people who actually want to be with him. And that's, what I think, what all human history is. It's, a, it's like a, the Lord is a, a farmer and he's harvesting the fields and he's bringing people to heaven who want to be with him forever. And he made that possible that we could reconcile with the Father through the death of his Son. And when we accept that in faith, we're saved and we can then be purified and stand before the Father, holy and blameless, and that relationship is restored. Amen. It's an incredible concept. It just boggles my mind when I think about it. All the things that we've done wrong in our life, the Lord, God, God Almighty looks at us and he sees us through the blood of Jesus and we're made righteous because of it. I look forward to when we get our glorified bodies, our resurrected bodies. That old sin nature that's inherent in our DNA is gone. And then our new bodies will be sin-free and with our purified uh, souls, thanks to the Lord, no more sin. I don't have to worry about falling and making mistakes and hurting myself and other people. Uh, it'll be perfect relationship with God throughout eternity. And, and brother, this, this time in our timeline is just like this, but our time with God just extends forever and ever. And that's, the, that's our true destination. And again, he sees the beginning, the middle of the end. He's like, you know, if you saw a parade, you only see the parade going by, you know, you're standing because of your horizon uh, perspective, right? But he sees it all like he's in, you know, an airplane looking down. He sees everything going on. Mm -hmm. I think we just need to pray right now. I mean, if you haven't made your peace with the Lord Jesus, you know you need to do it. Even, even if you're a globalist or you're, you're in a transhumanist and stuff, you need to come to Christ. If, if you're into the things that are, you, you've helped with the evildoers, come to Christ anyways. Pray with us now. Say, Father God, in the almighty name of Jesus, I come to you. I, I recognize that I've sinned. I've done dreadful things in my life. I'm sincerely sorry for those things. I need your forgiveness, Lord. I need the Holy Spirit to come now. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit because of your mercy and your grace. Forgive me, Father God. And as Brother Nathan just said in Romans 10, 9, you, if we confess the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that, that you've raised him from the dead, we should be saved. We, therefore, we just confess right now. Lord Jesus, in, in my spirit, soul, mind, and body, my whole heart, I believe, God, you raised Jesus from the dead after he suffered on the cross for my sins. And he's forever physically alive and he's coming back again anytime now. This very moment, thank you for saving me. That I make the Lord Jesus my personal savior. Thank you for accepting me. I forgive all those that have offended me and hurt me, including myself for all those things I, I, I did in self-hatred and spirits of self-hatred and bitterness. Forgive me, Father God, for those things. And I want to live my life to, to, to glorify you forever. Amen and hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Brother Nathan, pray for the world, pray for the nation, pray for the election. Lord, we thank you so much that you are sovereign and that you will destroy the Gentile nations to put up your kingdom, a kingdom of peace and righteousness and justice. And we're at the very end of that age of the Gentiles where these nations will come together but fall before you. I pray during these growing pains, Lord, that you will bless your church during this time, all the way up to the rapture, and prepare the hearts and minds of those who even now might be listening in, and the rapture's already happened, and they're looking forward 
to answers. And may these provide the answers, Lord. May they turn to the Bible and read your word. In our nation right now, Lord, great turmoil. If the rapture is going to tarry, Lord, I do pray that you will help the church hold back the tide of evil. Your hands will give us the politicians, not that we deserve, but Lord, that call upon you as Savior. And uh, Lord, you will bless these nations. Hold them together a little while longer, Lord, until your timing is perfect, which it is, and your purposes are met. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And if you prayed with us, let us know. You can reach us here at theupperroomfellowship.org, and, and we'll have Nathan's link on there as well, but you want to give a, a link for yourself? Sure. Uh, visit our website at christinprophecy.org. You can watch our TV program uh, down in its 18th season called Christ in Prophecy, hence christinprophecy.org. And we'll see everybody here that are, are in the air. And stay tuned. We'll have Brother Nathan Vieck again next month. God willing. You say the white hats are leaving you brilliant clues. And how they plan the train to swap the you. Oh, I pray it be so. Just like the roaring twenties, there was plenty of money until it all but disappeared from sight. Will Christ come like a thief in the night tonight? You say the globalists are into depopulation. They released a virus to take down my generation. With spirit cooking and 5G, the scoffers laughing in our face, controlled by neuralists until it all disappear from sight will Christ come like a thief in the night tonight Till it
sight Will Christ come like a thief in the night tonight? Will Christ come like a thief in the night tonight? Will Christ come like a thief in the night tonight? Will Christ come like a thief in the night tonight? Will Christ come like a thief in the night tonight? We are here to help represent God's work, not ours. Besides, the insightful biblical teachings shared by our host, Pastor Casper. We are also very blessed to be able to bring you outstanding interviews with some of the most sought after deep thinkers and voices in Christendom today, helping to make a difference in this world for Christ's sake. We want to keep it that way, to be truly effective in internal matters, truly demands on prayer and being led of the Holy Spirit. If you, like us, long to see the Lord Jesus, Yoshua, glorified here through spiritual encounters, we invite you to join the prayer team. There is nothing more exciting than participating in intercessory prayer with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are a totally faith-based ministry, and so please give and support spiritual encounters as you are led. Truly, Grace and Radio have a lot in common. Grace is free to us, but cost Christ an untold price, we may never fully understand this side of heaven. Radio is also free, too. It costs nothing to turn on your dial or stream audio, but it costs us a lot to stay on the air. Spiritual Encounters is almost entirely listener supported, a privilege, but rare things in these days of big church radio corporations. We've carefully trimmed our budgets to all but wartime essentials, but operating costs are a fact of life. If you've been blessed through our program, here are some ways you can give back as the Holy Spirit leads. Consider becoming an underwriter by contacting us or simply go to the upper room, fellowship.org and scroll down on the main page to donate. Production of the Upper Room Fellowship and Casper McLeod Ministries. Visit us at theupperroomfellowship.org. This program is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. The intro and outro music is performed by Casper McLeod from his album Communion, 
Available at theupperroomfellowship.org. In my face, since I learned to pray, I've got a new